0: Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. This is Ishayahu, Isaiah 44, um, and we'll be studying chapter Memdalid, Parak Memdalid of Yishayahu, of Isaiah. Um, this is Saul Weiner, the host of your podcast. Just a really quick review, in 43, there was, I guess we could summarize four main points that God made and through his prophet Yishayahu. The first point was that his love and dedication and devotion towards um, uh, the Jewish people as his chosen nation was forever, that he would not abandon them no matter how much suffering there would be. He would make sure that they survive and flourish. Number two, he said that the punishments that were visited upon the Jewish people over the centuries were due to their sins and number three that they themselves that the reason for God's delivering and redeeming the Jewish people was because of his own righteousness because God himself desires them and wants to um to help them come to a point where they recognize him and sing his praises Uh, and number four that God is going to give justice to the entire world, any nation and every nation that comes forward and calls out in God's name will be welcome in the future time, and the oppressors of all nations will suffer um, and, uh, and, and justice will be meted out. The, um, with that, we begin chapter 44, and here specifically God turns and addresses the Jewish people directly. So, um, and tells them uh, a message. If you imagine, now God gave all these assurances that he just gave, the people are going to think, well, why should we trust this God and these promises that this prophet is telling us about? And how is this different from all the other false promises and all the other, um, so many things we've had faith in over the years, so many ideologies, so many. Uh, philosophical ideas So many movements So many leaders have gotten up They have all made all kinds of promises and everything None of which have led to anything Other than eventual destruction How do we know that this one Is anything different So here God addresses that problem And he says and now, Yaakov Abdi. Listen my servant Jacob bo. Listen Israel of whom I have chosen him so says God, the one who created you, the one who made you, the one who has been helping you ever since you have developed in your mother's womb. In other words, all the way back in the beginning, I have been with you this entire time. Altira Yaakov, do not be afraid, my servant Yaakov. This, this phrase appears in many parts of the literature. Altira do not be afraid, my servant Jacob. Vishurun and yishurun um, which is another name for the people of Israel, of whom I have chosen. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. I know you are, but don't be afraid. Because etzok just like now in the future, I am going to give water to the thirsty. This is a metaphor which God has used numerous times in these last few chapters, that in the future God will quench the thirst of the people of the world. This is meant literally that the people that are thirsty and hungry will be fed and given to drink. And also a little bit more figuratively that in a spiritual way. The thirst for God, the thirst for knowledge. And just like I am going to give water to the dry land. This is a reference again to the things which God has mentioned over and over and over again about how he will restore nature to its beauty and splendor. Just like I am going to do that also at Sokruchi al Zarecha, I am going to pour my spirit upon your children, Uvirchasi and my blessings at upon your descendants. I am going to give them, just like I'm going to save the entire world and just like I'm going to restore nature to its proper balance and beauty. I am going to give sustenance and spirit to your children and your gran- and your grandchildren etc some here and don't worry they will sprout just like grass sprouts in the field mayim, like willows that grow along the uh, shores of rivers that have a bountiful plentiful water source that they grow so nicely la donai oni, this god, is um this one will say to god ani i am yours i am of god and this one will call out in the name yaakov and say yes i am a jew i am proud i am one of these people and this one will 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 write upon his arm this is most likely a reference to to the practice of of tefillin, of binding God's name to one's arm, I will say my arm is for God. And he will take upon himself the name of Israel. This is very reminiscent and is important. Uh, I'll just uh, mention the um, Radak points out that this Pasuk reflects, um, just give me one second. Kianisharim um, Israel, those that remain of the people of Israel, these are the words of Radak: Kula miyukidoshim, they will all be holy. they will all call out that yes, I am of God. VeShehemizar Yakov, and yes, I am of the Jewish people. Kemosh Omar, like we said earlier, if we look back at chapter um, four, verse three again this is another reference to ideas that were expressed in Ishayah before another place where we see the continuity and unity of authorship of this entire book but let's read chapter 4 verse 3 where where the it says <speaking in Hebrew> those that remain in, Zion, <speaking> in <Hebrew> those that remain in Jerusalemdoshi <speaking in Hebrew> people will say of them kadosh <speaking in Hebrew> right they are only <speaking in Hebrew> all that are written for life in in Jerusalem. So again, the people of that remain will call themselves and will be called holy, will be called of the Jewish people, they will be called of God's people. Let's move on with verse 6. So says God. Again, God is trying to reassure them. Well, I have been with you all the way from the beginning. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. I am going to give spirit to your children. I will be there for your descendants. I am not going to abandon you like all the other ideologies that have failed over time. I am not like that. And how do I know that? Because God says, I am the King of Israel, of Vagolo. I am the Redeemer, of Oz, I am the God of hosts. Ani Rishon, I have been here from the beginning. I am the first. I am the start. Ani Acharon, and I am the last. I will be here after everything else. There is nothing, there is no God other than me. It's not like there's other gods that made promises and didn't fulfill, and this God, and that. No, that's not how it works. There's no ideology that has the all of the truth and will answer all of the problems. No, there's no such thing. There is only one, and that's me, God. Who is like me that can announce, can call something out, via via and can speak and say things, um, and um, and somehow uh, evaluate things uh, regarding me. There's no one that can even even assess me. Can Can evaluate me? It can't be done, right? Misumi ad olam, right? Who can um, be the one who can who Misumi am olam. Who can do what I did, which was to create a nation that's going to last forever? The Oseos and the signs that I have put out and the ideas that I have put out and that which I have stated what will going to be happening in the future I have stated in the past no one else can do that the prophecies of this book a, a book written thousands and thousands of years ago that foretells the future history of the people that I have chosen and that it should come true no one has done such a thing no one can do such a thing no one would even dare do such a thing, other than God Himself. Altif do not be afraid. Vial tiru, and don't start thinking and wondering. Hmm, maybe this is not so true. Halomay ozish maticha, from all the way in the back time, I have given, I have given you direction. V'gadti, and I told you, and you have borne witness. You have been witness to the promises I have made you in the past. <laughs> you have been witness to the ideas and the Torah that I have given you in the past. Bal therefore, do not. Um, I'm sorry, I I skipped a little. Hayesh Elohami Baladai, is there any other God beside me? Is there any other Tzur? Is there any other rock? A rock being something that's faithful, something that remains for time, that no matter what He says and promises, it does happen. He's always there. I know of nothing else, God says, other than me. Yotzrei Fesel, Kulam Tohu, all those other ideas, all of those other pagan philosophies, all of those other ideologies that have popped up over the centuries that have claimed to be what, what's going to redeem the world, they are all just creators of Pesel. They're creators of idols. right? Kulam Tohu, they are all nothing. Vachamudayim, and those that, that, that desire them, Ilu. Um they do not help, they do not say anything. heima, and they themselves can testify. Ask, see those ideologies, see those ideas, see those philosophies, see those idols. They are witnesses of their own destruction. They are witnesses of their own failure. Ask them, and you'll see they have nothing to offer. And they themselves will show and demonstrate how they have failed. They haven't. They they cannot see anything. They do not know anything in order that in the end they just become embarrassed. Who can possibly create a God? Who can possibly pour metal in order to create an idol? The Vilti Ho'il, something that does nothing. Who can do that? The only one that does that is a human being. These are human creations. Since these ideologies, ideas, idols are just human creations, right? they're the only ones that can make these things so they're nothing better than the arrogance of the human that made them. All of those that gather around them and believe in them will end up being embarrassed. They will be ashamed because their projects will fail. They are, they, they are, they are crafted only by people. They will all together get together and stand. They would all be embarrassed all at the same time. Nothing will come of them. The craftsman who creates iron with his with his tools and he works with them over over coals in order to melt and mold the metals of Makavot and he and then with hammers he, he, he turns it into shapes and he makes it with what? With the strength of his hand? Ro'ev Evein Koach. That person, if he was hungry and he would have no strength. In other words, this 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 God, this thing and 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 this idea, this ideology was simply something that was created by him. And when in the end when he needs something, it can't provide. The thing itself looks to the human being for for creation, it looks to the human being in order to be made into something. The thing itself can't do anything for the person, it was made by the person. Um if he does has nothing to drink, or water not to drink, he'll just be thirsty. He can't go to his creation and ask it for water. It doesn't work. The person who crafts with wood, and he and he measures with a line in order to make a straight line. And he makes a shape with a form. And he, scra- and he uses scraping tools in order to make a form out of the wood. And he, and he marks it out with, a, with a, um, uh, a kind of tool that makes angles, a compass. And then what does he do? What kind of form does he make? He makes the form of a human being. And this doesn't necessarily... It could mean that he makes an idol in the form of a human being. But what it means is whatever form he makes, whatever human being creates is something that is in the form of a human being. It is what the human being decided to make. It's like the, it's the beauty of a human being so that it can sit in a, in a house, in a shrine. The things that we make, we fashion in our own form. They can't be something from which we derive any kind of benefit because we ourselves made it. And what happens? L'chros arazim. The person goes ahead. How does he create these things? By chopping down trees. He takes. These are two types of trees. Uh, can translate them as cedars and oak trees. And he and he um, and he strengthens it by by cutting down the forest with the for, trees of the forest. Or he plants trees, a certain kind of uh, an aura and a type of tree. Um, and which, are, which grow through, through the ground grow from nature and he goes ahead and chops them down in order to create what he creates he has to destroy nature this again is Yishayahu going back on ideas which were expressed earlier let's look back for a moment um, <clears throat> I want to read to you from chapter 2 again going back to ideas that Yeshayahu mentioned before we look back at chapter two. I'm going to read a bit from there just to remind us of what we learned before, but this is something that will shed a tremendous amount of light on what he's saying now. In Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter two, I'm going to start with verse eleven. Isaiah was criticizing then the the arrogance of man. I'm going to start. Right. The the um. Uh, Shafel, the, 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 uh, the 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 haughty eyes of the lowly man, Rumanashim, and, and at, at the time and, and in the future God is going to lower the haughtiness of man. and only God will be exalted and it continued in verse 12 and 13. And, and pay attention. God will be above all of the arrogant human beings and he will lower them. And on all of the cedars of Lebanon on the cedars of Lebanon that are so high and so great and, and the, the oak trees of Bashan in the mountains and so on and so forth. And it goes on. Vishach kavus adam to verse seventeen, and then what is God? Because again, God is 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 drawing the nature the the line between the law, the haughtiness and arrogance of man, and how he abuses nature. And when God uplifts, um, I'm sorry, when God lowers man who's so arrogant and so high and haughty about himself, God then redeems nature from the abuse that man meets upon it. Right, and then at the end of that particular part, in verse 17, chapter 2, I'm reading from, Again, the same idea. That's how God raises himself up um, in, in, in the world. Um, and then if we look at verse 17, which I just read, and 18, Immediately, what's the next relationship? Um I'm sorry, I didn't read the whole verse. I'm sorry, I, I did read verse 17, and immediately after, and God will be great, and God is going to get rid of the false gods, the idols. Again, that relationship is between human arrogance and avodazara and 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 idol worship. God continues to say "Bayomahu" in verse 20 and get still in, in reading chapter two God, the man will then throw out the, the the false gods made of silver and gold that he made for himself those same ideas that he's saying here that when man is arrogant man creates things and then worships the creations of himself he's worshiping himself. He's worshiping what he made himself. The same ideas that Isaiah was expressing now, in chapter forty-four, which we're currently studying, and then, um, just to continue, um, the, the end, the last verse of chapter two really drives this point home. And I want you to think about this: Chidlu <laughs> Adam, stay away from human beings. God, stop, leave. People alone, stop thinking that people are so great. Stop worshipping yourselves. Stop worshipping human beings. The human being is just a just a person. What is he? He's nothing. The human being is nothing. He's just himself. The only reason why he's anything is because of, is, of his relationship with God. This is what um, we just read over there in chapter 2, which sheds a tremendous amount of light on what we're reading right now in And in um, chapter 44, so I'm going to go back. I'm up to verse uh, 15. And and bear in mind what we just read from chapter 2. All of these things, these trees that he chopped down, what does he do? He uses them to destroy them, to burn them, to create a fire. And he takes the wood and he warms himself up. And then he uses the fire and he makes food, he bakes bread. And then he takes the same wood that he would have otherwise burned and used as fuel. He uses it to make a god. And he bows to it. And he goes, he creates an idol and he bows down to it. This is the human being taking, he abuses the world, he abuses the world, he destroys and burns the world for his own benefit and then he worships his very abuse. The things that he takes from the world, he goes and worships it, as if that is some source of, of godliness. Um, half of it he burns in fire, and half of it he uses to to cook his meat, and he satisfies his own stomach, and he warms himself up, and he says, ah, I feel good, or I feel warm, I can feel the fire, ah, I feel so nice. And then saw and the rest of the wood, he makes it into a pesel, he makes it into an idol, yiskadlo, and he bows down to it, vayishtacho vayispelelom, and he prays to it. He takes those things that he took and he abused from the earth, and then he worships it, v'yomar ki and he says, save me, you are my God. Worshiping the works of his own hands, when man... In, uh, w- of course nowadays we, we don't think that much of taking a, an idol But when one admires the works of man and says Wow, this is the future The future is This is this is what's so great This is what's going to save me Is the creations of mankind This is the same same thing that Isaiah was criticizing mm-hmm. thousands of mm-hmm. years ago <inaudible> They do not understand They do not know This is verse 18 Um I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 11 verse 9 um, where again he expresses the same idea. right? They will stop cutting down and ruining things on my holy mountain. The world is going to fill with knowledge in the future. God is saying now when one worships the creations of themselves, when one worships himself, what are they missing? Lo yadu v'lo He says now in verse eighteen, they do not know, they do not understand. because their eyes are covered, their hearts cannot understand. When you're full of arrogance, when you're full of pride in yourself, then you don't understand and you don't get the real message. Lo v'lo alibo, he will not be able to contemplate in his heart. das. He will not have knowledge below Tavuna. He will not have understanding lamar to say, lechem, That I used this wood. And in one hand I burned it. I used it for fire and flames to cook my food. And the remainder of this wood I'm going to use. This is this is just wood. This is a material. I could use it for a lot of things. I can use it for myself, but it's not a God. Right, The world that God gave us to use... Yes, we can use it for all kinds of things for our benefit, but to make it into a god, that's the problem. Levul uh, eight go to a chunk of wood I'm going to bow. This is still just nature. The bricks, the buildings, the the wonderful things that man has created are wonderful and great, and fine, you could use them, but to make them into a god, that's the problem. Ro'e efer lev hu talhitahu. he her um he who chases after ashes, his his messed up, his his twisted up heart has made him mistaken. It is his twisted heart of arrogance that has made him make this mistake. He will never save himself, and he's never going to be able to say that what I'm holding in my right hand is falsehood. Uh, this is. Uh, I'm going to complete this chapter here just because it's all one long idea. So I'm going to continue um, with verse 21. Ele Yaakov. Remember these things, Jacob, V. Israel. Remember this idea. Remember this. Don't look at human creations. Don't look at human arrogance. Don't look at them for sources of salvation because they will not be reliable. They will not last. But rather, remember. Remember ki Ata, you are my servant. You know this message. This is the message that I am, want you to bring to the world. Yitzhah I have created you. Eved Ata, you are a servant for me. Yisrael lo God says, do not forget me. Do not forget that this is all me. I am the creator. I made this world for a reason. Not because of those creations. Not so that you should be proud of what you made. But so that you should be humble so that you should bring the message of tzedek and justice and righteousness to the world. That is why it's so important to recognize that it's not the wood that you created or the wonder of the things that man did, which are all well and good, but that's not God. God created the world for a reason, for a purpose. And the purpose is so that you should know this message and bring this message to the world. And then if you remember this, God says in verse 22, Then I will erase like a cloud all of your sins. If you remember this and you bring this message, your sins will be gone. Just like a cloud blows away, your sins will blow away. God says, please return to me, because I have redeemed you. I have been with you this whole time because I know that you can carry this message to the world. And what will happen then? All the heavens will sing, because God has made you. The, all of the land and earth will cry out in joy. The mountains will break out in song. All of the trees, the trees that everyone else is abusing and chopping down, all of those trees will break out in song because God will restore nature. Because God has redeemed Jacob of Israel. And with Israel, God has, has gotten... I'm glorified. So says God, the one who has redeemed you, who created you from the beginning. I am God, the one who makes everything. I myself am the one who placed heavens where they are. It was from me that the land was laid out the way it is. I am telling you the signs of all of these these diviners these future tellers prophets false prophets because all these people giving nonsense magical nonsense mm-hmm. these are the ones they are ruining true wisdom and their 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 knowledge is, is 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 the true knowledge is made twisted and crooked by these false false prophets and ideas However, what do I do? Make him Avdo. I do establish strongly the words of my of his servant. Those are the words of Israel and the true teachers of Israel. Remember again and again and again that language Avdo, my servant, in this case his servant, where it's in second person referring to the servant Israel, the the true advice and ideas of the true messengers of Israel um God will fulfill. I say to Jerusalem, Tushav, that you shall be settled again. And I do say to the cities of Judah, you shall be built. And the destroyed areas, the areas that are ruined, I will reestablish. I have said to the deep, to the deep, deep depth, that that we're flooding. I'll say, dry up, stop causing floods. The rivers coming out of the depth, the rivers coming out of the, the dark areas will stop, and only the rivers of bounty and beauty will flow. I am the one who says to Koresh, my Cyrus, my shepherd, the uh, um, the one who tells him to to redeem the world to um to to, to redeem Israel by bringing them back to Jerusalem, the Chol Chetziyach Lim he will fulfill my desire of and say to Jerusalem, be built and reestablish my home and my temple in Jerusalem. This last verse twenty eight is clearly is 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 a reference to Cyrus, who was the king of Persia who lived many centuries. About two centuries after, two or three centuries after Ishael, after Isaiah wrote this prophecy. Now, obviously uh, those that believe that this part of the book was written long after will point to this verse, and we mentioned this before, as proof that Ishael could not possibly have written this, given the fact that Cyrus is mentioned and Cyrus was was far from alive at the time. So they would point to the days, the early days of the Second Temple period as the time this part was written. Um, Obviously, uh, just a couple of interesting points. Um, It is clear from Ishayahu that the vast majority, if not the entire book with the small exception of the portions where Ishayahu refers to himself directly were written by Ishayahu himself. These were prophecies that were written down by by, most likely by his students, those that surrounded him, those that learned and cherished his words and wrote these prophecies down. That's the entire book from the beginning, and that's clear. From the book itself, it's clear that it wasn't Isaiah himself writing this, but it was people writing down the speeches and talks and ideas that he gave and taught. The um, the the fact that over here it's referred to Cyrus um could be for several reasons, uh, um, and and I've I've said all along that these prophecies are so attached to and so similar to and so connected to the parts of the beginning of this book that I do believe that all of these prophecies were written by that same entity. In other words, that same group of people that wrote and recorded Yeshayahu's prophecies. It's extremely possible. That, some, that these words of Isaiah were, were spoken and taught extensively during the early days of the Second Temple, when the Jews were coming back to that, that time and rebuilding the Temple. And it was a very depressing time, as we will study one day the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and Nehemiah, when we discuss the rebuilding of the Second Temple and how desperate the situation was at the time. And certainly the works of Ishael would have been of a tremendous amount of comfort. And it is extremely plausible to imagine that someone would have put in there, while reading these words about how God is going to rebuild Jerusalem, that yes, it is God that is telling Cyrus to send bring us back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And it is through his messenger, Cyrus, that this would happen. So this verse could easily have been put in by someone at the time, which is not just logical to me, but actually sounds like the most plausible explanation. However, there's another plausible explanation, of course, and that is that Ishayahu is a prophet, and prophets tell the future. And Isaiah is the one who, told, who wrote this down, and then in the future it came true, and he actually said it by name, which um, for those of you that are willing to accept the whole idea of prophecy, then that would make a lot of sense. Um, it, it's a famous uh, fact it just it's, it's worth mentioning here that in Josephus who was a Jewish historian in the times in the later Second Temple times in the times uh, of the Roman uh, destruction of Jerusalem near the end of the Second Temple time, he recorded and in, in his book of antiquities um, and these are the words um, that he wrote this was the history and this was the tradition that Cyrus, saw the prophecy written by Isaiah hundreds of years prior, and, and said as follows, I'm reading from an English translation of Josephus um, in Antiquities chapter 1, um, um, and this occurring in the first year of the reign of Cyrus. Um, this was known to Cyrus, uh, in the first year of the reign of Cyrus, which was the 70th from the day our people, Josephus writes, the Jewish people were removed from, were thrown out of Israel the first time into Babylon, Um, uh, it says uh, thus was when Cyrus decided to send the people back to Jerusalem and rebuild it and he says that this was known to Cyrus by his uh, I'm reading Josephus' words by his reading the book which Isaiah left behind him of his prophecies for this prophet said that God had spoken thus to him in a secret vision in other words that Isaiah had prophesied that my will is that Cyrus whom I have appointed king To send back my people to their own land and build my temple. This was foretold by by Isaiah 140 years before the temple was destroyed. Accordingly, when Cyrus read this and admired the divine power, an earnest desire and ambition seized upon him to fulfill what was so written. So he called for the most eminent Jews that were in Babylon and said to them that he gave them leave to go back to their own country and rebuild their city in Jerusalem. So in other words, Josephus is saying that Cyrus read the book of Isaiah, saw that it was prophesied that he himself was going to send them back to Jerusalem, and therefore he was filled with the spirit of desire to do that. Of course, Josephus wrote this several hundred years after the time of Cyrus, because Josephus was near the end of the Second Temple period, and Cyrus was obviously in the beginning of that period. However, it's important for me to mention this this tradition of the Jewish people that was recorded by Cyrus. Um... However, I still contend that, that as we see these ideas are, are, are repeated over and over and over again, um, and that it, it's, it's clearly, there's clearly unity of authorship of the entire book. And however else um, I think I laid out the various different ways to understand the reference to Koresh to Cyrus here, um, this concludes our study of chapter 44. Looking forward to studying chapter 45 together next time.